Hello there. This is the Crunchy Christian Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I am a master herbalist, aromatherapist, author, speaker, blogger, and veteran homeschooling mama of four. You can learn more about how I can equip you to pursue God's best naturally at my website, julienaturally.com. And now, today's show. Hey, everybody, it's Julie with the Crunchy Christian Podcast, where we talk about green growing things that God gave us. Today, we are going to talk about plantain. Not those banana kind, although I really love fried plantains and tostones and all of that delicious stuff. But uh, we're going to talk about the weedy plant plantain that probably grows in your yard, even though maybe you don't know it grows in your yard. Uh, Everybody's familiar with dandelions, but maybe not so much with the plantain. But uh, we're going to talk about that today. So let's head on into the history lesson. Don't you just love it? There's so much history around using plants. It's so much fun because you get a little history lesson and it brings us up to today and what we do with these plants today and how we can learn from the past to help ourselves in our present. So Plantago major and its very common related species, Plantago lanceolata, are uh, that's the Latin name for broadleaf plantain and um, the also more very common uh, more lance shaped plantain. Um, they grow uh, and all of the other more than two hundred species of plantain grow all over the world in more than 50 different countries everywhere. That's why it's really weedy. Um, But you'll be happy to have this plant in your yard as I tell you more about it. Oh, it's so fascinating. So it was first mentioned in English texts in the mid 1200s, 1265. But it that's not when it started growing there, of course. It, it, it was used and was there long before that. So Danish researchers, when they were digging around in the English bogs, you know, they have the bodies in the bog thing, you know. Uh, my kids used to be fascinated by that, these, these perfectly preserved bodies in the bog. Well, In the stomachs of these bog people, they found, guess what? Plantain, of course. Plantain pollen. So, and those people were found there somewhere in the 200 to 400 AD, um, which, you know, the Anglo-Saxons around 500 to 1000 AD, before they were invaded by William the Conqueror, uh, they listed plantain is one of their nine sacred herbs, uh, which like it's such a kind of lowly looking plant, but they considered it sacred. And Christians, uh, early Christians also found it to be an important symbol for them. It was grown in some old monasteries. They grew it medicinally and as a food. 
And the old Christian, uh, the early Christians, found it as a symbol for the well-trodden path of those who follow Christ. Because, as we'll talk a little bit later, um, plantain is pretty much found everywhere that people walk uh, because the seeds just, they proliferate. Um, Now, England is not the only place where plantain grew historically. It grew in other parts of the world, too. And in other parts of the world, it dates back even earlier than the bog people. It is said that Alexander the Great knew about plantain's uses, and he would use plantain to cure his headaches. Hmm. And Pliny, this old Roman, you know, writer, philosopher, historian, uh, he used it to save someone who had been bitten by a mad dog. Um interesting. And in ancient India, uh, if you know about mongoose, mongoose, uh, they fight with cobras and, uh, you know, they have this relationship with them uh, that people would keep a mongoose in their house to keep them safe. And that's kind of the story of Ricky Tiki Tavi, uh, that uh, the mongoose and the cobra. Well, uh, if a mongoose was bitten by a cobra, they wouldn't die because they would go off and find plantain and eat some plantain. And the Indian uh, people would observe this. And, of course, you can make some deductions from that, right? So in addition to all of those interesting facts... Uh, Plantain is also referred to in many old medieval uh, pieces of literature. Chaucer wrote about plantain in his stories, several of his stories. Shakespeare refers to plantain in a few of his plays, most notably Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Erasmus, a classic scholar of the 15th century, he stated the plantain was effective against, guess what? Poisonous bites, spider bites particularly. But the Indian people had already observed that interesting fact about plantain and its effectiveness against poisons. Yeah, they'd already seen that, but, you know, the the communication, a little slow, you know, that time. But even King Henry VIII got in on this. He had this little hobby of, you know, being kind of an amateur medical man, and he would uh, write up and inve- he would investigate and write up little recipes and things about what he thought uh, herbs could be used for. It. And one of his recipes includes plantain. So that's interesting, uh, some of these historical facts and uses about plantain. And when the English came to North America, so now here's how it hops the ocean. When they came here, the Puritans, when they came to America, they brought plantain with them. Now, interesting, plantain seeds are carried by the wind. Uh, they, so, um, 
you know, they'd bring them over here and then the plantain would just, it would grow and grow and just, you know, like dandelion, it appears everywhere because of how the seeds are spread. So um, they brought it and they, they brought it because it was very useful for deep cuts and sore feet. And so sometimes they would buy, they would get get the leaves all uh, chewed up or they would um, kind of steep them in some hot water and apply the leaves or the the apoltus or a a tea to their feet, Uh, especially if you put the bruised leaves on the feet while they're walking, it would help to relieve the soreness uh, because that's how everybody got around at that time, pretty much lots and lots of walking. Um, You know, horses are expensive. So they would use it that way. And as they spread, guess what they brought with them? They brought plantain. So it would follow them around. And of course, it's a very hardy plant. So it soon became a weed. And of course, you know, what makes something a weed or not is kind of subjective. Uh, Really, I mean, a plant is a plant. But, um, but it that it, it spread very quickly and easily. And it, uh, it's very hardy. So the Native Americans, of course, they were introduced to this plant that seemed to follow the white man wherever he went. And that's why they called it white man's footsteps. Because everywhere the white man walked, there was plantain. So they, uh, they, they did learn how to use it. And they found, you know, how the same sorts of uses as Lots of other people did. They uh, used it for wounds, bruises, boils, toothaches. They'd uh, chew it in their mouth uh, for, to relieve toothaches. Um, they, they would make it as a tea to use for diarrhea. And they used it for swellings, both internal and external swellings. So like if you had a bad stomach ache or... Um, like hemorrhaging, they would take it internally for those kinds of things, and also swellings on the surface of the skin as well, like boils and cysts and things like that. So that's what they would use it for. And they also, they received an award from uh, for their uh, discovery that plantain can cure uh, the rattlesnake poison can cure someone of a rattlesnake bite. So it's there seems to be this recurring theme around plantain, right? That it's really good for extracting and and healing a person who's bitten by something that is poisonous. So what does this plant look like? So you probably have it in your yard and don't even know it. Like I said. It's, uh, it, the leaves grow in a rosette around a central stalk, kind of like dandelion. Dandelion leaves also grow in a rosette uh, around a central stalk, although the, da- the dandelion uh, stalks often there's more than one coming out of the center. But with plantain, it's usually one central stalk. Uh, the leaves are uh, oval-shaped 
somewhat somewhat heart-shaped but pretty oval shaped and the ribbing on the leaves is parallel not branching like you'd see on a lot of other leaves uh, but parallel ribbing that's one of the uh, characteristics that helps us identify that and there's some slight ribbing uh, toothing I I guess you could also refer to it as along the outer edge of the leaves. So um, that's the, uh, the leaves. And then the central stalk, it rises up about six to eight inches, sometimes as much as a foot, but usually only about six to eight inches above the rosette of leaves. And it, the, and the, it terminates with a cylinder of very tiny flowers. The flowers are kind of a purplish, greenish color. Uh, sometimes it's hard to even distinguish that they are flowers, but it, it looks a little fuzzy, a little hairy there on the end of the, the stalk where the, <laughs> where the flowers are. And when they mature, uh, kids kind of like to run their finger along the stalk and release all of those little seeds into the air. And then they spread everywhere, just like a dandelion does. Uh, sometimes the seeds are used, but most of the time it's the leaves that are used uh, when creating a tea or a salve or something like that. It's usually the leaves. So uh, for today, how is plantain used? So as I said, the plantain seeds are sometimes used, but they're often put in bird seed mixes today. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit of a waste of a medicinal plant uh, to put them in there for bird seed, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but there have been some experiments done with the seeds and they did show some uh, medicinal activity. So, you know, they are useful, but primarily it's the leaves. So, um, the, the leaves are what are used for the wound healing, the poisonous bites and stings, swellings, boils, as we mentioned, and a lot of other skin-related issues. Uh, and it's readily available everywhere. So, you know, you're out in your yard, you get a mosquito bite or bee sting or something like that. It's very easy if you know what plantain looks like to um, be able to pull off a few leaves and chew them up and just slap that poultice right on your bee sting and it gets rid of the pain and the swelling almost immediately. In fact, that's what I did uh, one time when uh, my son and I, and maybe there were some other members of the family there too, he just happened to step in the wrong place and there was a bee and it stung him on uh, his shoulder and uh, there, there wasn't anything around. It was like, it was like the woods. So where am I going to get any other kinds of medicine? Um, and would I even want to? I mean, 
I am a arborist, right? <laughs> so I immediately started looking around for the plantain. And of course I found some because it is grows everywhere. And I, you know, I dusted off the leaves, uh, make sure they were clean and stuck some in my mouth. And of course, chewed it up and slapped that right on, on him. And within a very short period of time, he was feeling a lot better. No, no more itching, no more swelling. And uh, the pain had gone away as well. So that's, that's the beauty of using herbs and uh, trees and other things and knowing God's creation and the gifts that he offers us is that it's so readily available. It's right there and it's free and it's effective. So that's what I did. And in fact, there's a lot of modern research that has been done with rats, of course, uh, that supports plantain's use for reducing inflammation, promoting wound healing, and for uh, helping with ulcers and things like that in the digestive system. Some of the active constituents for plantain help explain that if you're interested in that. Uh, it includes flavonoids, terpenoids, glycosides, and tannins. And this is a really safe herb too. Uh, it has a long use of being used with children and even pregnant women. Uh, so it's it's a very gentle, cooling, soothing kind of herb that uh, you know that you can use even with uh, those sensitive situations. It's very it's it's gentle but very effective. Uh, so. Dig into plantain and uh, explore uh, the plants you have in your yard. And remember that this is an educational program. So uh, we're talking about historic uses and some of the new discoveries that people have made. Um, but uh, what you do with that information is your own responsibility. So I um, please remember that. And... Don't miss an episode. Remember to subscribe and connect with me on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook is uh, at Julie Naturally. And on Instagram, it is successful.unschooler. So I look forward to meeting up with you there and have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Show notes for today's broadcast can be found at crunchychristianpodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button now so you can join me next week. Until then, remember all you need is God, people, and growing things. God bless. God bless.